0: Welcome to Green River College's GatorCast. This is Suzanne Johnson, president at Green River College, coming to you today, and we are having a topic discussion around financial literacy and financial aid. Okay, before you decide to turn us off on this one, hold up, student listeners out there. This is something that a lot of you have told me you struggle with, that you are challenged by how to have a sound financial budget balancing your checkbook, making sure you don't run out of money from term to term, you can afford your books and afford college. That's what financial literacy is all about. And most students that come to Green River College actually have financial assistance or financial aid. So again, listeners out there, if you think you're the only one that struggles with finding ways to afford college, you actually are in the majority. Most students that come to Green River or many other colleges out there in our area are going uh, partially supported through other financial means besides what they're making at their jobs. So with that, we're gonna start talking about financial literacy and financial aid. Joining me today are two people that work at our Green River College campus up on the hill here. We have Kirsten who is in our advising and career office, which is on the first floor or ground floor of student affairs room number.
1: Well, that's a really good question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's I think, room 104.
1: I think it is 104.
0: Right. And a phone number for
1: career and advising? You'll start with 253-833-9111, extension
0: 2641. Okay. Now, Kirsten, I know that you're an advisor in career and advising, but you actually have a passion for financial literacy and having financial uh independence for for students and so on. So we're gonna talk about that in just a second. And then we also have Amanda from our financial aid office. And where is financial aid, Amanda? Financial aid is located on
2: the second floor of the Student Affairs and Success Building. If you walk in the main door and turn right, we're the first door right there down the hallway. I believe the room number is 231.
0: Okay, Um, but you're right above Career and Advising in the same building, which is kind of convenient, especially with our rainy rainy weather with students. And how do students reach financial aid? So you can
2: call us. Um, Our phone number is 253-833-9111, extension 2449. Uh, We also serve students on a drop-in basis at our front counter. Um, And we have an email inbox that you can always email any questions to.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And the email box? Uh, It's finaid at greenriver.edu. Excellent. Before we get into this whole financial budgeting, financial aid topic, um, Kirsten, tell us a little bit about yourself. What brought you to Green River? How long have you been here? What's your story?
1: All right. Well, I have been at Green River off and on since 2010. Um, I started over in international programs as an advisor, and then um, worked there for a number of years until I started having kiddos and decided I wanted to be home with my little ones. So I took a couple years off, and then back in 2015, Allison reached out and asked. She's the um, director of career and advising. Reached That's out now, an Allison asked, Warner. She'll yes. be
0: on a a podcast in our near future talking about degree audit.
1: Yeah. And so she asked if I wanted to come back and work part-time, and that ended up being a really good fit between um, having some littles at home and trying to get out of the house and interact with adults again. Uh, so I came back part-time, and I actually split my time between career and advising and Running Start. And then with financial literacy, um, I started teaching in the community probably right around the same time in 2010. Um, I had made a huge mess of my finances. Uh, through college, I made some pretty poor, poor financial decisions. When I graduated, you know, everyone gets a car when they graduate, so I decided I needed one too. Um, I had student loans to pay back. Um, I married my husband and got his student loans too, and we realized we were about $100,000 in debt. We didn't have a house, Wow! didn't have anything to show for it. So we learned what you're supposed to do with your finances. And ever since then, I've been trying to help people not make the same mistakes that I made or help them get out of debt when they have realized they've made a mess of it.
0: Okay. So all of our listeners out here, I think we're going to get some life hacks today. (laughs) It's always great if we can learn from others' uh, lessons so we don't have to repeat them or do them ourselves. So let's hold the phone on that. How about you, Amanda, up in financial aid? Tell us your story.
2: So, I'm actually from Auburn, Uh, grew up, moved here when I was five, Uh, grew up in the Auburn School District, graduated from Auburn Riverside High School. Um, A local. Yep. (laughs) Definitely a passion for helping my local community. I went to UW Tacoma, and while I was there, I worked in their teaching and learning center as a writing consultant. And that's where my love for helping students really grew, just watching students grow and succeed and being a part of that process helping them develop their own voice in their writing. Um, I just when I graduated um, my degree was in business management but I just couldn't leave working with students. Um, So coming back to Green River was great because I got to still work with students but also be helping in the Auburn community Um, so it really just kind of merged both of those together. I started in financial aid four years ago. I was a program coordinator Uh, So I did a lot of emails, helping at the front counter, answering phones, um, really just getting to talk to a lot of students and learn about Green River student experience, and especially um, financial troubles. Um, And then about two years ago, I became the student loan specialist. And so I started processing all the student loans. And I was one of those lucky people who managed to graduate from college without any student loan debt. Um, Wow. So... I think I never really realized how much debt people take on until I was processing all of our student loans and just seeing each quarter, you know, the hundreds and thousands of dollars of debt that um, Green River students are taking out alone. And when you multiply that by all the schools across the country, um, you know, I'm surprised honestly that our student loan debt isn't more.
0: Well, one of the advantages of attending Green River College is that we are the affordable option. Um, As a public community college, public college, um, students who come to us or community members who take a course are fortunately able to have a tuition, have course fees um, that are less than other institutions in the area. And that's one of the benefits of, of being at Green River. It's so interesting, too, because oftentimes people don't value things that are inexpensive. Um, as if something that's less expensive is uh, a lesser quality Mm -hmm. or um, a value. In fact, Green River College delivers a high-quality education that is comparable to any other institution around in the state or outside of the state, and incidentally, it just happens to be an affordable option. So I think one of the most important things to, to say before we jump into a whole bunch of questions, and I know our listeners probably have a ton of questions as well, would be this. In terms of thinking about whether a person can afford college, is there ever a situation where finances are a reason that one ought not pursue a college degree?
2: I think it's not a reason to not pursue a college degree. I think it's a reason to be diligent in picking which college degree to pursue. Um, There's so many different options out there, types of degrees, length of program, and cost of school. I think it's about taking the time to diligently weigh your options and figuring out which option's gonna be the best for you because a college education is an investment. So even if you are putting yourself in debt today, um, depending on the investment you make, the return on that could be greater than if you hadn't put yourself in debt to begin with. That's
0: a really good point. And for our listeners, It becomes really important to understand that having some some credential or certificate or degree after high school is absolutely um, essential in the context of long term economic stability and livelihood in our state now, and you'll hear this over and over again for students out there that might be Running Start students still in high school or just out of high school, beginning college, or for the young adults out there listening to this episode. Although you may be employed in a particular way right now, the ability to move forward um, will probably likely hinge on further training, further education. Green River is here to provide that. We know that there are many, many jobs in our state going unfilled because we do not have those who need, who have the necessary skills and abilities to do those jobs. And Green River is a viable option for you to come, find the, the right training, the right education for what your needs and your future plans might be. So keep this in mind. Money is never the reason why one cannot achieve Um, a certificate, a credential, or a college degree. It's all about the planning. It's all about choosing wisely and choosing correctly for your future. Thank you for bringing that point out there, Amanda. So, let's jump into some questions. You know, many students think that they're the only ones that need financial help in going to college, Uh, that most college students pay for college themselves. Is that really true? That's
2: definitely not true, just here at Green River al- alone, uh, we don't have the exact numbers, but it's definitely over fifty percent of students are receiving some sort of financial assistance.
0: So the majority of our students receive financial assistance.
2: Yeah, and then um, according to the college board, um, about two thirds of students paid for college with the help of financial aid in the form of grants and scholarships.
0: now you'll need you'll need to tell our listeners what's the college board? <laughs>
2: Um, so, the College Board is uh, one of our government entities that does measure kind of statistics in regards to um, financial aid and student dollars. Right. So, um, it's
0: national information. Mm-hmm. Right? So, two thirds of all co- students that go to college are receiving some sort of financial assistance. Yes. So, if a student feels like they're the only ones that might uh, be looking at how to afford college and thinking that this could be a challenge for them. What they need to know is that this is something that most students have to contend with.
2: Yeah, it's definitely something every student has to figure out, even if you're paying out of pocket. It's still a process and a planning process to make sure you're getting your funding in time for the tuition deadline, um, making sure you have the resources to pay for the classes you're registering for, and then also making sure you're going to survive those three quarters and have the funding in place. so you can be successful in your classes and complete.
0: Right. You know, one of the other things that I've come to know um, in some of the Pizza with the President uh, gatherings, students feel self-conscious about asking questions about financial aid um, or even knowing how to approach the topic of financial aid, and it's their impression that other students know this information and know how to get the information and know what to do, and that since they don't feel like they know how to do things or know what the questions are to be asked, they somehow don't belong here. What would you say to that?
2: Honestly, I would just let them know that they're not alone. A lot of students that we see in the financial aid office are coming in with anxiety and feeling like. You know, they feel like they have to apologize when they first come in um, because they're asking a question. But that's why we're here. um, And that's why, uh, you know, the financial aid office exists, because it's a really complicated process. Um, And even us in the office who are experts, you know, we don't know everything and we're always learning with you. So we appreciate and value your questions, and we want you to be successful. And if you come in and, you know, start the process and ask your questions, then you're going to be successful and go through the process correctly instead of maybe making some critical error that does impact your education. Um, I think it helps, too, with especially in student affairs, all of our offices kind of being on the same page. So when someone is meeting with, like, Kirsten and career and advising, um, sometimes Talking with a non-financial aid person can help help you feel more comfortable um, and they can also point you in the right direction that you need to go and they'll know who you need to be speaking with to get your questions answered.
1: A lot of times when I am uh, working with students on oftentimes non-financial aid related things, uh, questions of financial aid will come up. and. All the advisors down there know enough to answer basic questions, and anything that gets a little bit too complicated um, will definitely get you connected with someone in financial aid that can take care of that.
0: That's great, and you know when uh you were mentioning uh, Amanda that it's a complicated process, and not everybody has all the answers and amanda you're you're bringing this up uh Kirsten, you're bringing this up too. Uh, I'll just share with the audience, you know, both of my kids, although not kids anymore, 24 and 22, um, they both went to college and I had to fill out financial aid forms every year. And I will confess to the audience that I never did it correctly the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, you know, even for a person who has gone through college, um, graduate school, and, you know, familiar with the world of, of college, you know, life and higher ed, even I as a parent could not get those financial aid forms filled out correctly the first time through. It always had a flag and, you know, need more information or didn't do something correct. Um, so I think it's just good to put in perspective that this whole process of, of seeking assistance or seeking financial aid, which is quite normative, quite typical Um, for how many finance their educations is not an easy and clear and obvious, you know, road. And so making mistakes, having questions, absolutely is just completely normal. So let's talk about students and financial aid. A lot of times students believe that to receive financial aid, they have to be a full-time student. Is that really true? No, it's not. And unfortunately, that's one of our
2: probably least favorite rumors that goes around. We're not sure. Oh, so it's
0: a rumor. Okay. <laughs>
2: We're not sure who started it and who keeps perpetuating it. But for financial aid, you definitely don't have to be full time. Um, this be- is really
0: important because so many of our students come part time they're not carrying a full course load every term so let's talk more about that yeah
2: so basically financial aid is kind of like a scale so when we award you we're always going to default to awarding you the full-time amounts Um, but every grant and loan has its own um, requirements and stipulations so if you're less than full-time basically what we do is we just prorate your funding down to whatever credit level you're at um, and so usually it's still enough money to cover your education. Uh, you just have to let us know that that's your plan, and then we can let you know what the new amounts are going to be, and have it that discussion to make sure it's all going to work for you, the student, um, financially for the quarter.
0: That's, I love the, the word you used, a scale, right? So depending on how many credits you're taking any given term, the financial aid will be in relation to that. Yes, Exactly. Excellent. So everybody, you've heard it here first. You do not have to be full-time enrolled at college to re- be receiving financial aid. So the myth is now dispelled.
2: It is, and I hope it stays that way.
0: All right, we'll just keep re- you know, rebroadcasting this episode. <laughs> if a student uses financial aid, how is tuition paid and what happens to the rest of the money?
2: So tuition payment um, is an automatic process. Uh, The student doesn't have to do anything um, except confirm their credit level with us if they're less than full time. But once financial aid and the credit level match, then about a week before the quarter starts, um, our system just automatically disperses financial aid to pay tuition and fees. And then if there's any leftover money uh, at the start of the quarter, that money is going to go to the student's bank mobile account. Okay.
0: Tell me what a bank mobile account is.
2: So, Bank Mobile is the company that we contract with to disperse money to students. Um, basically, they're kind of like an internet bank, uh, they're located in New York. And what they do is they receive the money from us and then they disperse it to the student um, one of three ways. So, the student has a choice to either make an account with Bank Mobile and have like a debit card through them. Or they can just have it direct deposited into their own personal bank account, um, or they can have Bank Mobile mail them a check. But since it does come from New York, it usually takes about an extra week. Well, so that's we my,
0: my hometown.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we recommend they do one of the first two options so they can get their money faster.
0: The check that they they receive is that the money that remains after the tuition has been taken from it.
2: Yes. So that's the leftover money after tuition has been fully paid and taken care of. And then that's the student's money to use for whatever education expenses they may have. So books, uh, transportation, supplies, um, even if they need it for living expenses, it's the students to use whatever they need it for.
0: This brings up some interesting things related to budgeting and making sure we're taking care of things that we need for our education. So... Most students, now they're receiving a check once a term?
2: Yep, so once a quarter. Uh, There's a few cases where there may be multiple disbursements, but the majority of financial aid students are going to receive that um, first check at the start of the quarter, and that'll be their money for the whole term.
0: Okay, so now for our listeners and for students who receive financial aid, you already know this to be the case. So you're receiving one check, and that is supposed to last you The full 10 weeks of the term um, and some additional time in between terms as it might be in terms especially for thinking about living expenses so we're thinking about gas and food and housing costs we're talking about book costs and lab fees and whatever else might be the case now I know even in my life um, you know I get paid every two weeks right there's always a budgeting process you get that money and so let's start talking about more of the financial literacy aspects and creating budgets because we've been focusing on financial aid a little bit how it works and the fact that most students receive some kind of financial aid so Kirsten let's talk about that one check now right so Where you know, you're a student or for our listeners out there, your tuition has now been taken out of that monies that you received in terms of financial aid. So this is the money that's left over. What kinds of challenges have you found students facing getting that one lump of money um, right at the start of a 10-week term?
1: As my dad used to put it, it tends to burn a hole in their pocket, as in they've got the money and they want to spend it. A lot of times this may be the biggest amount of money a student has had, um, and so they think, okay, what can I do with this money, Um, not realizing that it does need to last them those 10 weeks until they receive more funds, um, again, that are supposed to go towards uh, living expenses and
0: the cost of going to school. Okay. So some planning and thinking about priorities Mm -hmm. becomes really important. So since this is a limited amount of money, this is the amount of money they're getting for 10 or so weeks, what are some tips that you can offer today for our listeners? And what are the kinds of tips and advice that you're giving to students if they happen to be sitting with you as an advisor in our career and advising office?
1: So probably the biggest thing is really having that budget. And I know a lot of people don't like the word budget. They think of it, it makes them cringe. They think it means that they can't have any fun and that they'll just have to be sitting at home eating top ramen and um, not be able to do anything. And actually, a budget is exactly the opposite. It's having a plan for your money. It's giving yourself permission to spend, uh, permission to do the things that you want to do, but also the things that you need to do and finding that balance. um, Of course, it's going to start with your basic expenses, things like your housing, making sure that your rent is covered, um, your utilities are covered, that you've got water and electricity, Uh, you've got money for food. That doesn't necessarily mean you're dining out all the time, but that you've got money to cover your groceries and that you have a way to get to and from school, so we always want to start with those basic expenses. And that's because if we know those things are covered, it gives us peace of mind to then be able to be successful in our schoolwork um, and
0: successful in our jobs and things that we're doing. So I like what you're saying about, you know, a budget actually doesn't mean you don't have any money. A budget helps you prioritize how the money needs to be spent. Exactly. And what I'm hearing you say is the first priority in terms of establishing how you get to spend your money is by thinking about what are the costs that I already have. So are my books paid for? Let me go get my books first. Do I have money planned week to week in terms of food? Um, How much does it cost in terms of gas to get to and from school or a bus pass Mm -hmm. or or other means Um, how much are the other things that I know I have to pay either every week or every month whether it's the utilities right the electricity and so on so many students have phones necessary item right absolutely what's their cell phone bill every month Um, or other types of things that they you know, can't live without from day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, So would you say that one of the first things a student should do is sit down, write out a list of all of the bills they have, all of the costs that they have each week, and add that up?
1: Absolutely. And there's actually folks on campus, myself included, um, and also in our benefits hub that have budgeting worksheets where we can sit down and talk about uh, those things. So personally, I used to do what I call the yellow pad method of budgeting. Um, I would sit down and, as you said, write out that list of things um, that I needed to pay for every single month. But inevitably, I'd get halfway through the month and realize I'd forgotten something because I was trying to write it out from my head. Then I started using a budgeting worksheet that already had all the categories listed on there for me. And since then I haven't, most of the time, forgotten anything because it gave me ideas that I didn't already know existed. And um, then, you know, instead of forgetting that I had a car insurance payment, it already listed it on there. And oh yeah, I do have that. And oh yeah, I do have this. Um, So sometimes sitting down with someone and using an actual budget worksheet works really well for that because you may think of things that, You would have forgotten if you used my yellow pad
0: method. Okay. Well, I actually have a yellow pad method myself, Um, (laughs) but I've had to revise it many times because I've forgotten things. Yes. But you've brought up two very important things. Number one is you're saying that you and other people are available on our campus to sit with a student and help them write out a budget sheet write out a list of all of these costs and help them calculate out how much it costs to live week to week or from month to month. So how would a student go and find these people, besides yourself, which we know you are located in our advising and career office?
1: Yes, if you come to the Career and Advising Center, um, they can get you connected with the folks who are in the Benefits Hub, which is co-located with us.
0: Okay, so now that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. What is Benefits Hub and How do students access that? Where is it? Yeah, so
1: the Benefits Hub is a program sponsored through the United Way. Um, We have two wonderful folks on campus um, who are here to help you. Um, They can help with savings and spending plans, how to open and use a bank account, um, scholarship options. They also do tax preparation or can get you connected with those resources for for when you have your tax return. Um, If you're having a problem paying your utilities, uh, paying for bus fare. If you need groceries, we actually have a food pantry on campus. Um, they help you with building and understanding credit, which is a whole other topic for um, that they can help you with. And if you're having trouble with housing, if you have an emergency situation, um, they can connect you with emergency housing resources as well.
0: And where is Benefits Hub office?
1: They are in, um, if you go to the Career and Advising Center, we can get you connected. They're co-located with us.
0: With you. Mm-hmm. So, well. Wow. Everybody out there listening, Green River College is one of a handful of colleges that partner with the United Way in our state of Washington and United Way of King County. And we have a service called Benefits Hub. And it does help with emergency housing. Um, utility payments in terms of heat and lighting, food uh, insecurities. We do have a food pantry on this campus that students uh, can utilize, and these are uh, individuals that work at Benefits Hub that can sit with you and work out budget plans, um, expense planning, all the things that Kirsten is is describing to you. So you would sit, work out these uh, these, uh budget worksheets, Mm -hmm. and then that will help the student know how much money is left over.
1: Exactly.
0: And then what do we do with the leftover money?
1: So with the leftover money, the goal actually is to not necessarily have anything left, but to decide exactly what you're going to do with your money. Uh, I found in my life that if I have leftover money, I tend to spend it three times because I remember, oh, yeah, I still had $50 to spend and um, I wanted a new pair of shoes. And then, oh, yeah, I had $50 to spend. We want to make sure that we give what I call every dollar a job. Um, So it's got something to do, whether that's going into a savings account, um, whether you decide this month, uh, I'm going to go ahead and splurge a little bit and go to the movies, um, but we want to have a plan for all of our money so that we know exactly where it's going instead of wondering where it went.
0: I love that phrase. Every dollar has a job. And the job could be either paying for your school books, paying for your car insurance, paying for your phone bill. Or paying for your future, which would mean you're putting that into a savings account. Or on occasion, paying for just a fun thing, Mm -hmm. right, when you've got it. Yes. After those necessities are taken care of. This is really terrific. And, you know, I'm I'm so glad we happened on to this Benefits Hub topic because so many students who struggle with um, housing and homelessness or temporary sheltering needs, food needs, just you know, functioning through the day in terms of getting to campus to and from with gas costs and so on. It's really important for them to know about the Benefits Hub resource that is co-located with you in career and advising. The other thing that you mentioned is that Benefits Hub will also help students in terms of scholarship eligibility. Can you say a little bit more about that? So,
1: with that one, they can get you connected with scholarship resources. Um, And we also have the foundation here on Green River's campus as well that helps with scholarships. And so, um, any of the advisors within Career and Advising can sit down and chat with you um, about the scholarships we have available. Um, It's not necessarily just based on financial need, although there are scholarships um, that are financially based but there's a myriad of options. We definitely want to make sure that if you're eligible and you qualify that we can get you connected with a scholarship. Hi, listeners. I'm Carl, editor and producer of GatorCast. Thank you for joining us for part one of our two-part financial aid and literacy episode. We'll return in two weeks with part two. Thank you for joining us. And if you haven't yet, please check out our resources at greenriver.edu forward slash GatorCast. Have a great day.